This is the Humboldt Chronicles. I am the queen of everything. I gotta be high before I can sway. Lighter tea and let it be. If you a viper. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask and Comet the Radio Dog. The Humboldt Chronicles is made possible by Goat Global Humboldt, Humboldt Urban Market, and Mocha Humboldt. Much appreciation for your support of the Humboldt Chronicles. Our show this month will be a little different than past shows. Uh, for one thing, we don't have a guest. Uh, summer vacation schedules made booking a guest a little difficult. Or, or actually, you know what, Chuck? You're the guest this month. I thought you were the guest this month. Well, okay, okay. I stand corrected. We actually have two guests this month, Chuck Rogers and Larry Trask, both of Lost Coast Communications. Welcome, guests. Thank you very Thank much. You. What is our topic this month, anyway? It's not topic, Chuck. It's topics. In the plural. Yeah, because we're going to cover a number of things in a format that I like to call a news roundup. And Chuck, I thought we'd start in everyone's favorite town, Washington, D.C. Everything seems fine there, doesn't it? Well, it's a good call, Larry, because there's both a lot and a lot of nothing going on right now in Washington. As you may or may not know, it is congressional summer recess time, or excuse me, they call it state work period when they go back to their home states and home districts and supposedly meet with their constituents, but really raise a lot of money. It begins for both the House and the Senate in early August, and it continues all the way through Labor Day. So there's a scramble right now to get a number of bills before a vote. You might remember back in April this year, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York made what he called a promise to introduce a federal cannabis legalization bill prior to the August recess. Well, of course, the April promise followed after previously announced deadlines came and went. Yeah, Schumer's been uh, working with fellow Senators Ron Wyden of Oregon and Cory Booker of New Jersey on the Comprehensive Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. Mm -hmm. And there's been a discussion draft circulating since last summer. And here, here's, here is Schumer's quote from April of this year. I'll do this in my my Schumer voice. You do Chuck Schumer? I didn't know that. Do a pretty good Chuck Schumer. All right, let's hear it. Make no mistake, I'm working diligently with my Senate colleagues to make sure that the federal government catches up with states and the public. This bill will be comprehensive, and I promise we will introduce this important legislation before the August recess. Uh, Schumer had previously been adamant that he would not accept an incremental legislation. Uh, this is what they call it a skinny bill on the Hill. He insists instead that he wants comprehensive legal reform, and that's the only way forward. But as with all things in Washington, nothing is set in concrete just yet. In fact, just yesterday, Senator Booker, who happens to be chair of the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime and Terrorism, announced a July 26th meeting of the subcommittee titled Decriminalizing Cannabis at the Federal Level, Necessary Steps to Address Past Harms. Now, the significance of this meeting hasn't been made completely clear uh, but it's not out of the question that the meeting could be a prelude to the introduction of the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. 
But here we are on the verge of the summer recess, and Senate Democrats are all but admitting out loud that they don't have the votes for a comprehensive bill, even if it is introduced. In fact, the Senate Democrats don't have the votes for anything at this point. Keep in mind that the House of Representatives passed their attempt at a comprehensive bill. In fact, House Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler's Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement, or MORE Act, was enacted in the House twice on largely party-line votes. In light of all this, some Capitol Hill observers are noting a change in tone, indicating that, after all, maybe a narrower piece of legislation just might be possible. Even though some reform efforts enjoy bipartisan support, cannabis legislation does not typically garner GOP leadership backing in either House of Congress. With midterm elections coming up in November, that handicappers opine will give control of the House to Republicans and might even flip the Senate, Democrats on the Hill are considering their options. And one option involves uh, something called the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, or SAFE Act. This is a piece of legislation that would give protection to financial institutions like banks that provides services to state-licensed cannabis businesses. SAFE Act has been approved by the House no fewer than six times, and this with bipartisan support, but hasn't gotten anywhere at all in the Senate. And in fact, earlier this year, the act was included in the House version of a China competition bill, but uh, at the last minute, the language was stripped out before passage in the House. Uh, There's some talk of trying to pass a modified version of the SAFE Act prior to the election, or maybe even during a lame duck session if they do lose the House. Uh, But so far, no timetable and no promises have been issued. Uh, Watch this space, as Rachel Maddow says, and frankly, a little too often. Yeah, yeah. She she loves that phrase. Well, uh, there's a lot to watch out for right now, that's for sure. But while D.C. is mired in its typical ineffectiveness, the Golden State has enacted some much-desired reforms. In fact, in late June, Governor Newsom signed into law AB 195. That's a package of measures that restructures parts of the California recreational cannabis industry. Most significantly, of course, the legislation eliminates the despised cultivation tax. That's a victory for growers that may, and we stress may, trickle down to consumers in the form of slightly lower prices, maybe. Additional provisions include changing the point of collection for the separate 15% excise tax from distribution to retail. The measure also promises no increase in the excise tax rate for at least three years. Other provisions include tax credits for eligible retailers, micro-businesses, and equity operators. Finally, the bill includes appropriations for education, youth substance misuse treatment, school retention, law enforcement, and environmental cleanup for illicit cannabis manufacturing. And, and Chuck, there's also been some activity at the local level, as was reported in Lost Coast Outpost. Uh, Eureka City Council recently approved an update to the city's cannabis ordinance to simplify licensing, to remove a cap on the number of cannabis businesses in the city, and to possibly allow on-site consumption at uh, temporary events. Under the existing regulations, there's a total of 13 different cannabis license types. So following the city council's action, the number of license types is reduced to just three, general cannabis use, cannabis retail, and chemical cannabis extraction. Uh, The ordinance update also includes new tools for law enforcement. It opens the door to on-site sale and consumption of cannabis products 
at special events, though additional state approval for such uh, event consumption would be required, along with some other requirements. Well, compared to Washington, a veritable flurry of activity at the local level has been going on. We're going to take a quick commercial break right now, but we'll conduct a survey of state ballot initiatives and see who might be joining the Cannabis Club after the November elections. Back in just a moment, you're listening to the Humboldt Chronicles. Welcome back to the Humble Chronicles. If you're just joining us, tonight's show is a news roundup. In the first part of our broadcast, we looked at federal, state, and local regulatory developments. Everyone's favorite topic. <laughs> and now we turn to state elections. And actually, Larry, before we head off way into the hinterlands, let's stay in D.C. for just one more moment. Because just last week, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser effectively made cannabis legal for all adult residents in the nation's capital. Washington has had a medical marijuana program in place for a while now, but has been thwarted by Congress, which has oversight in certain D.C. governmental affairs, in its attempt to expand the program to recreational use. Mayor Bowser recently signed the Medical Marijuana Self-Certification Emergency Amendment Act of 2022 that allows allows local residents 21 and older to self-certify as medical marijuana patients. The provision applies only to people who reside and pay taxes in the district and not to, for example, the many, many, many people who commute into D.C. each day from Maryland and Virginia to work, although non-residents with government-issued recommendation cards from neighboring states will be served. And you know, I can I can I can verify that I lived in in D.C. and also Virginia for a while, and I know you lived in the area as well. For I a was bit. in the Virginia area in uh, Arlington. I mean, that was one of the features when I lived in D.C. that I liked the most is that during the day the population kind of doubles. It does, and then it clears out at night. You know, it's like the tide washing in and out. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of people coming in from Virginia and Maryland each and every day who probably yes. If I know D.C., mm-hmm. you know that's it's- more than probably. That requirement <laughs> might be a little soft in some areas. I don't know. You're saying there could be ways that those folks could fudge things? You know. And kind of... Purely speculative. Yeah. On my knows? part. You know, maybe, maybe things have changed. Yeah, right, right, right. law abiding. But, uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a victory for the people of D.C. Because yeah, it is. Because trying to do this for a long time. And, yeah. Uh, one party in Congress, I won't mention who, has been uh, standing in the way. Yeah, that's for sure. In the states, as things stand right now, there are only six jurisdictions in which cannabis is fully illegal. They are Idaho, Kansas, Nebraska, North and South Carolina, and Wyoming. Uh, All other states have some form of legalization, either fully legal like California, legal for medical purposes only, or some states are are CBD only. Uh, And even among the fully legal states, possession has been decriminalized in South Carolina and Nebraska. So ballot initiatives are underway in multiple states that, if they make it onto the ballot and are voted into law, would make liberalizing changes to the status of cannabis. Of the fully illegal states, only one has the possibility of moving into legal status post-November, and that would be Nebraska, Cornhusker State. Signatures are currently being collected for two proposed ballot initiatives, both of which would afford legal protections for medical cannabis users in the state. Uh, Activists claim to have turned in sufficient signatures to qualify both initiatives for the November ballot, but a recent federal court ruling 
uh, may yet keep the measures away from voters. We'll have to see uh, how that turns out. And I, I promise you, lawyers on both sides are generating billable hours in an effort to sort it all out. Maybe many billable hours, huh? Elsewhere, activity is underway to fully legalize recreational use in Arkansas, Iowa, Maryland, Missouri, North Dakota, and South Dakota, whose 2020 initiative that legalized cannabis fully was invalidated by the South Dakota Supreme Court. In some cases, initiatives have already qualified for the ballot. In others, signature gathering is still underway, and in still others, like Nebraska, whether or not the initiative will appear on the November ballot depends on court decisions. We shall see. In Texas, the only way to change marijuana laws there is through legislation, but especially because of the medical marijuana program in neighboring Oklahoma, which we'll get to in just a moment, there is significant pressure on lawmakers to make that change. In some instances, cities can implement permissive regulations provided they can craft them in a way that's deemed consistent with state law. Now, uh, about Oklahoma. Yeah. And we've talked about Oklahoma on yep. past shows. The senior state is in the midst of a broad experiment. They have a medical-only cannabis program, but the requirements for medical recommendations are pretty minimal. And that word describes the majority of cannabis regulations in the state. Minimal. Uh, is the experiment working? I suppose, like all things, it depends on who you ask. One indication that at least some people think the answer is no is the fact that there are three ballot initiative efforts pending that, if enacted, would make substantial changes to the way cannabis is regulated in the state where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Mm -hmm. One uh, would legalize possession and consumption for all adults, 21-plus, without the need for a medical recommendation, and the other two would maintain uh, Oklahoma's medical-only system, but would make reforms in the way the program is implemented, and in one case, uh, which particular state agency would do the implementing. Uh, but all three would impose additional regulations on uh, the industry than currently exist. Well, we'll have to wait and see how many of these initiatives ultimately make the ballots in their respective states, and further, what the outcome is after Election Day. One thing does seem clear, though. The broad trajectory is towards legalization nationwide in some form or another, at least by the individual states, if not by the federal government. When we return, we'll swing back to the Golden State for a story that has nothing to do with politics, elections, or regulations. This is the Humboldt Chronicles. Welcome back to the Humboldt Chronicles. And Larry, we're going to be taking a trip down to Sacramento right now. Sacramento. Sacramento. A lovely, a lovely town. A little, yes. a little warm for my taste. I like Sacramento. But yeah, it is nice. It is nice. There, it is relevant to to what's going on here in Humboldt in a way, which we'll explain in a moment. But it's fair time, right? State fair. Yeah, we got some, we got some fairs coming up here locally, um, mm -hmm. uh, and the California State Fair is happening right now down in Sacramento. It started on the fifteenth, and it runs through the end of this month. And uh, so it's we, we could we could fly down there right after the show and, and get. Get a ride on the Tilt-A-Whirl. I'm game. But you know what? They have also a brand new exhibit mm. at the State Fair. Uh, never happened before. Something that's relevant to this show, I imagine. 
How did you guess? <laughs> I could explain it to you, Chuck, because, of course, I know all about it. But uh-huh. we have some audio uh, courtesy of KCRA. That's a, a television station down in Sacramento. So let's let them tell us about it. All right. It. We're just a couple days away from the State Fair, and Live Copter 3 was up over Cal Expo earlier today. We saw more of the rides being set up for thousands of people who will be enjoying all this over the next couple of weeks. KCRA 3's Brittany Hope joins us now. She's at Cal Expo. So um, what's new at the fair, Brittany? Yes, yeah, so if you're bringing the kids, there's two really cool new exhibits. One's all about cats and dogs, and the other is called Toytopia, and it brings you back to the toys from like the early 1900s, and they're all life-sized. It's really, really cool. If you're an adult and you're leaving the kids at home, there's another new exhibit, and it's all focused on cannabis. When you think of the California State Fair, food comes to mind. Lots of it. Rides and games are a must. How about adding cannabis to the mix? Cannabis is, is definitely part of the culture here in California and has been for a very long time. We went inside the California Cannabis Exhibit before it opens Friday to check out the buzz. This is the first year cannabis has been included. It's historic. We invite people to come through and learn, you know, see hemp plants up close, right? Throughout the state fair, this exhibit will feature 55 different speakers, documentary films, and cannabis experts to help you weed through all the intricacies of the massive industry. We had an awards competition. Um, We had over 300 submissions in this first year. A cannabis competition with three divisions and the best of California category, which is like best of show. How do you compete for best cannabis? Yeah, it's all science-based lab tested uh, competition, right? There's no smoking, ingesting, or eating in here. Just a lot of cool stuff to look at and learn. So you can get extremely high CBD products that are low in THC or really high THC products that are good for a a Saturday going golfing. Danny Kress has a stand here representing his dispensary in Sacramento. He says this first ever exhibit is an ode to the green plant and the role it has played in our state's agriculture industry and our history. It shows how far we've come um, as Californians that, you know, we're, we're willing and ready to have something like this that can help educate the populace about you know, how important this, this industry is to the state. We're live at the State Fair, Brittany Hope, KCRA 3 News. And Larry, you know, one of the things that strikes me about this is that you normally think of the State Fair as just a family-oriented annual event corn dogs and really good rides and things like that to do and see and maybe spend the whole day there. But the fact that there's a cannabis exhibit there now just shows you how far we've come since, what, 2016 when Prop 64 was passed? Right. Yeah, it's it's really – and she makes the point, the reporter makes the point in the beginning about bring the kids, mm-hmm. there's the, the you know these toy exhibits, although she makes reference to the fact that the exhibits have life-size toys, which I don't – I have no idea what that is. A child's toy, life size. Like, I don't what's know. A, what's a life size toy? We should dig into that. I don't know. I, I'm going to go just for that. But but yeah, it is. It really is quite amazing. I think, it, and it, it indicates more and more, especially here in California, but 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 elsewhere as well, how you know cannabis is sort of losing its you know mm-hmm. reefer madness coating, and and coming more and more into the mainstream it's clearly not there yet and you can see that by the way that the industry is treated even mm-hmm. here in Humboldt but yeah. but certainly elsewhere in California there's still there's still more more to be done and uh, uh, ways to go before it's treated just like any other business mm-hmm. but the fact that they have this ex- exhibit at the California State Fair 
I think says a lot. Yeah, it really does. And and there's been no problem there. I mean, I'm sure there are people at the fair who really are uncomfortable with that exhibit being there. I imagine there are. But the fact that it is there and, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be any big problem with it is uh, saying a lot at this point. Yeah, absolutely. It's an important industry for California and for Humboldt as well. Yeah, it is. And there is uh, there is some Humboldt news. There is. You know, there's a competition down there uh, within the cannabis industry uh, at the state fair. And Humboldt County has done a lot better than you would expect a small rural place to do in a competition, any competition in the state of California. Yeah. Don't you think? I didn't, you know, I didn't do an exhaustive analysis, but I did sort of uh, do a back-of-the-envelope tally, Mm -hmm. and I think Humboldt County has more winners than any other single county in California. Yeah, it's looking like about 20% of all the awards in the state from the state fair are going to Humboldt County. Yeah, and you know, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised by that, Mm -hmm. but it is, I I think it is a really uh, positive thing for the county. It's good news. So, you know, let's, let's, let's go through the winners. Sure. Um, There were, there were several different categories and even within those categories, there were additional categories, Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the, in the mixed light category, uh, Talking Tree Farms took, uh, took a gold Mm -hmm. and, uh, and a silver also, Hogwash Farms from Humboldt County won a silver, and Huckleberry Farms from Garberville won a silver. And in indoor, it looks like Mocha Humboldt took three golds and a silver, and Talking Trees Farms got a silver in that category. Yeah, that, that, is, a, that is a victory. And we should Absolutely. just disclose Mocha Humboldt is, is one of our sponsors, yeah. but we have no influence of the California State no, Fair, congr- though we ought to. yeah. We, <laughs> we should. We're from Humboldt. Right. But uh, but anyway, congratulations. We, we, were you asked to be a judge? I wasn't. It got lost in the mail. Uh, I have to assume. That's probably at the dog ate it. Something like that. Yeah. But anyway, way Kinda to like go. like homework. Mocha Humboldt and, uh, and Talkie Tree Farms, Hogwash Farms, and Huckleberry Farms as well. And in the outdoor category, uh, Alluvium Organics took a gold, and Talking Tree Farms took a silver, and Ridgeline Farms took three silvers. They're in southern Humboldt. And again, there were a couple of different categories, which is why they were able to arrive at three awards. And then finally, there was the the uh, category that they described as sort of best of show, which yeah. in this particular competition was called best of California. Talk about competition, best of California in anything. You're talking about huge number of competitors, right? Mocha Humboldt in the indoor division takes home two awards in best of California. Wookies and grape cookies. Yeah, I would like the job of just coming up with the names of these. <laughs> I can't do anything else. I'm completely useless in every other aspect, but I could come up with some names. Yeah, some of the names are great, huh? But uh, congratulations to, the, yeah. to 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 those folks and and to Humboldt as a whole. And you know, one one more thing, our neighbors. There were also some folks from Mendocino and Trinity who won some awards as well. So if you look at the triangle in total. Uh, This area outperformed, I think, uh, with regard to population. You would think that there wouldn't be as many uh, from this area, but it shows that the skill and the knowledge is here. And, and that and that the products are distinguishable mm-hmm. from from places elsewhere. I mean, there were there were some winners from Southern California, sure. and there were some Central Coast winners uh, as mm-hmm. well. But no one county did as well as Humboldt County, and no one region. 
did as well as the triangle in yeah. terms of this stuff. So, you know, we say all the time and our guests say all the time that, you know, this craft grown cannabis really is better. Yep. And this is uh, yet another indication that this that's proves true. it right. In terms of this competition. It's right there. Black and white. Yeah. Gold yeah. and silver. Yeah. So congratulations to all the winners from around here. I'm Chuck Rogers with producer Larry Trask. This edition of the Humboldt Chronicles will be posted soon at 941lounge.com, lostcoastoutpost.com, and at iTunes for listening and downloading. Thanks to KCRA in Sacramento for use of their audio, and we send much appreciation to our sponsors, Goat Global Humboldt, Humboldt Urban Market, and Mocha Humboldt. We'll be back with the Humboldt Chronicles at 6 p.m. on the third Wednesday of August, so we'll see you next time, August 17th at 6 p.m.